The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program. WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, WLHS, the Lakota Local School District, or staff and management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as specific legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on WMKV, WLHS, and the Maple Knoll Radio Network. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon and welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I am your host, Vena Jones-Cox, and Real Life Real Estate is your public radio source for information and inspiration to start or grow your own real estate investing business. Our topic tonight is notes and mortgages and how those fit in with your real estate business. But before we jump into that topic, a little bit of local news here. The Real Estate Investors Association of Greater Cincinnati meets tomorrow evening. It's a uh, special national guest night with Dwan Bent Twyford and Bill Twyford, the guests from last week. In fact, if you would like to get a little bit of a teeny peek of a preview of what they're going to talk about, you can check out the podcast from last week at realliferealestate.com. They're going to be talking about uh, opportunities in the foreclosure market in 2016. And I actually attended that same presentation last night in Columbus, and it is just bring a lot of notepaper. (laughs) It goes very quickly. They have a lot to say. They've got a lot of experience between them, a couple thousand deals between them. And um, it is a very exciting and motivating presentation and tells you a lot about foreclosures. Um, It is guest night, so it is free to all members and guests of the Real Estate Investors Association of Greater Cincinnati. You can get more information about that at CincinnatiRIA.com. That's CincinnatiREIA.com. Today we are going to to take a step back from the um, strictly real estate part of our um, discussion and talk about a very closely real estate related asset that more people really ought to know about. You're probably passing up some opportunities if you're passing up the opportunity to buy and sell defaulted notes and mortgages. I have two guests today, uh, both joining me by phone, which will be interesting. We'll see how that works out. Uh, The first one is Rick Allen, who um, declared at the age of seven that he was going to own his own business and open an investment firm called Cloud Capital Management that focuses on small to medium balance non-performing debt. Uh, My other guest that is uh, joining us today on the same line is TJ Osterman, who is the co-founder of the company Paper Stack and another sort of serial entrepreneur who has been through the whole real estate thing and now uh, focuses on notes and mortgages. So welcome to Real Life Real Estate, guys. Are you there, Rick, TJ? Hello? 
can they hear me? <laughs> I can... Hey, hello. Oh, there they are. <laughs> Hi, guys. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> Good. Hey, how are you? Good. Um, yeah. So uh, it's 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 rare that I have two guests simultaneously, both by phone. So this will be this will be interesting. Um, when uh, when when each of you is talking, if you could say this is Rick, this is TJ, that would be great. <laughs> it would help me, and I think also our guests to understand uh, what um, what who who is saying what here. Uh, can you can you start by talking about? how you guys started started working together because you kind of you kind of came out of somewhat different backgrounds here yeah we definitely did come out this is rick by the way we did come out of uh, a bit different backgrounds you know my background was i was i was in school i was doing uh you know went to college at university of florida went through business and, and came out and didn't really know what i wanted to what i wanted to do um and so i went i got my real estate license and i started selling timeshare and you know, from there, jumped into to wholesale real estate in in full full fledged. I joined a uh, national company, and um, sort of that's where I, I hooked up with uh, with TJ here, who's got a pretty interesting background. TJ, yeah, this is TJ. I a uh, little different from Chicago. Moved down here to Florida to be a uh, in the golf business. Uh, have my degree in golf course management and golf complex operations, and um, actually wanted to play for a living, but realized I wasn't all that good. So, um, got into investment real estate, flipped my first home, made thirty-five thousand dollars, and said, "Hey, that sounds good to me." And uh, then I got into the wholesale real estate business um, and was sourcing hard money, private capital for investors and uh, sourcing uh, properties for them. And that's when I met Rick. Uh, we clicked and um, saw the opportunity. Obviously, during that time in, in Orlando, Florida, it was um, ripe for the picking, that's for sure. Um, and uh, so we hooked up, um, then ended up leaving that uh, company, starting our own uh, company called uh, Investment Homes Direct, um, Ran that for about three years, had about 25 salesmen at one point, three offices, and then we decided that we wanted to be on the investment side. Um, instead of finding the properties for the investors, we wanted to raise the capital ourselves and start um, investing ourselves. And Rick and I sold our portion out uh, to um, to our, our other business partner, who, uh, who still runs the company out in Orlando, Florida. Um, and uh, then we started raising capital and um, started buying a few homes, flipped a few, and then got an opportunity to get in the note business. Mm-hmm. That's kind of where we're at now. Mm-hmm. Now, it feels a little bit like you guys got really, really, really good at something, and then you abandoned it. Like I feel like I feel like you jumped ship on this whole real estate investing thing and and just went over went over to, to, to the completely other side. Are you? Uh, did, did, did you just see a lot of similarities between the actual ownership of the assets and the ownership of the debt against the asset? Or was this a, was this a matter of uh, market was hot for notes at the moment? What, what made you make, the, make this transi- transition? Well, uh, this is Rick. The, uh, I guess the kind of the catalyst that, that hit us was we, when we really started making the transition the hedge funds were jumping in and down here in Orlando they were 
they were going to the auction and they were paying over list price for stuff at auction or they were running it up past what we thought the houses were even worth. And we saw margins getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And so we were sort of had our, you know, our leader lines out. We were looking for another way to buy houses. And it just so happens that, you know, an REO agent called us and said, hey, are you guys, do you buy mortgage notes? And we had looked at it a while, you know, a while in the past, and I just could never put anything together. So we said, yeah, we'll take a look at it. And wound up buying, you know, a frame duplex that had 90000 worth of debt for 8400 bucks, mm-hmm. And we were in and out of the property in about 21 days, and we said, wow, that was a really easy way to buy houses. And um, so we originally got into this just as a cheaper way to buy assets. Mm-hmm. And from being in it, we realized there was a there's a whole other side to it. Uh huh. Uh huh. Very interesting. And when we come back, we're going to uh, d- sort of further relate um, how the thing that you do now is similar and different, similar to and different from actual real estate investing, and what sort of folks out there listening might want to take a closer look at investing in debt. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing. If you have any questions, go to our website. It's realliferealestate.com. There's a, there's a little button there that says Ask a Question, and if you uh, click, click that button and write your question in. It'll come here by email. You can also give us a call if you have any question about investing in defaulted mortgages at 877-772-9658. That's 877-772-9658. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox, and we're talking today to the guys from paperstack.com about the opportunities in the note market today. And I know this is a topic that we, we discussed here on Real Life Real Estate before. There's, I've probably talked to five or six different people who are fans of the note market, but as the real estate market changes, so does the note market. So... This might be your very first introduction to the idea that you could buy somebody's bad debt, or you may be uh, somebody who's been thinking about it and hasn't pulled the trigger yet. Either way, these are some good guys to ask your questions of at 877-772-9658. Or you can send us an email by going first to our website at realliferealestate.com. Okay, fellas. Hello. Yeah, we're here. Yeah, good. <laughs> Glad to hear it. The um, the mortgage business, the 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 buying and selling of of and creating of of um, paper, is as big, if not bigger, than the real estate business in the sense of how many people are out there doing it who are not banks, right? I'm saying I'm saying there are note conferences out there that are as big as any note, any real estate conference that's being held in the country right now. But the two worlds sort of seem to exist side by side. Like, like there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of note people coming to real estate groups and not a lot of real estate people go into the note conferences. In, in, in what way is 
notes and mortgages uh, similar enough to real estate investing that people who are doing real estate investing should should look at it as a as a not completely different business that that they would be embarking on. Yeah, I can feel that. This is TJ. Um, well, us being real estate investors at the core, obviously, when we pivoted into this uh, different uh, asset class, we. Uh, didn't want to pivot too too far out of our comfort zone. So the similarities, really what I like to, I like to keep things really simple, right? When you buy a fixer-upper home, you fix, you're buying a home, you have to value, add some value to that house by fixing it up, and then you're going to be reselling it. So with a non-performing mortgage note, which our fund primarily buys right now, you're basically buying a broken mortgage note, meaning that there's paperwork that needs to be fixed. Um, you know, these have been... We buy low to uh, you know low to middle class um, value notes. So there's a these things have been traded between bigger banks and hedge funds back and forth. And there's a lot of uh, collateral paperwork um, that is lost. There's assignments of mortgages that are lost. So you're basically buying buying a broken note. You fix the note, make it all you know add your own value to it, and then you can resell that note or you can actually modify and utilize one of the many exit strategies that you know notes allow you to do. So to simply put it how it's how it's similar is that instead of buying a broken house and fixing it and selling it, you're first buying a broken note, fixing that broken note, fixing that mortgage, um, putting it back together and then now you have um, you know a marketable piece of paper that you can then resell because you just value added something to that note. Um, to an investor that wants to buy something as a passive income stream, uh, you name it. So that's really the similarity to it. And it's since it's all secured with uh, with real estate, once you get that um, that asset back, if you do end up doing having to foreclose out the borrower, or if a lot of these things that we buy they've been vacant for a while, and you do it like a deed in lieu of foreclosure, meaning that this, these people just want this. This part of their life's torn out of their book, uh, and so they'll basically give you the deed in lieu of you, you know, going into foreclosure uh, on them. And um, and so once you get that, you turn your real estate uh, investment hat back on, you turn it forward, and then now you have an asset, and you just run the same play as a real estate investor. You just have to do. It's just another discipline to learn in the beginning before you get that real estate back. And you just said a very important word, which is learn. Yep. Because it is it is different enough that you, you can't you can't you can't dive into this business based on what you know about rehabbing houses. No, definitely no. not. <laughs> yeah, there's there's whole you know there's there's there just as there is real estate education available on on any subject you would want. There is note buying education available, and and it's it's also pretty um, niche down. Uh, you know, I went to a class last year in San Francisco that was about uh, very specifically how to how to talk to people who had defaulted for, who were the borrowers and defaulted first mortgages, and what rules you had to follow when talking to them when it was post bankruptcy or when they had said don't talk to me and what forms you. I mean, very specific, you know, three day class. And I know there's classes out there about buying performing notes, defaulted notes, seconds, you know, is a is a big thing as well. 
So, as always, on this show, we're going to warn people, don't try and listen to a 50-minute radio broadcast and run out and do something based on what you hear on that 50-minute radio broadcast. Go get some education about it. Caveat, that's yeah, for sure. That is a good caveat. We we sort of jumped in feet first, which I certainly wouldn't recommend. And then after being in it for six to eight months, Witten actually got some proper training. And we're fortunate that we did navigate the landmines without blowing off a leg. But, um, yeah, we did go spend a significant amount on some education and wound up getting all that money back pretty much within the first month just from what we learned. Mm-hmm. So it is it's worth its weight in gold. You know, they say you're going to you're going to pay for the knowledge one way or the other. Mm-hmm. It's whether or not you pay for it with experience or you go pay for somebody else's experience. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Very very true. So, um you guys specialize in defaulted mortgages, I assume. From Yeah, what, we're what I'm seeing heavily it. in the defaulted space. <laughs> yeah, from what I'm seeing on your website here at paperstack.com, I'm, yeah, it looks like looks like lots of defaulted stuff. So, the number of defaulted mortgages in the world should theoretically have dropped significantly since 2009, since the foreclosure rate is about half what it was at that time. Are you still seeing plenty of opportunity out in the market? Yes. The um, There's a dirty little secret that they, the, the big banks only foreclosed on about 15% of the defaulted stuff. The the rest of it was passed back and forth, um, you know, utilizing credit default swaps and, and stuff like that. That there's a huge mountain of non-performing debt still out there that's that's being traded. Which in, in for the listeners, when we say traded, that's just an industry way to say it's sold off. So if a big bank has you know say a pool of $300 million in defaulted debt, they'll do what's called a trade and, and sell it off to, you know, a hedge fund or a, a, another institution that'll go ahead and take that, that debt. And then that gets broken up and sold off again. Um, so there is a huge amount of non-performing debt that is, that is being sold. I think there was something like $14.2 billion sold last year. And judging, I think I saw something like $1.3 billion, um, first quarter from Fannie and, and Freddie. Mm-mm-mm. So there's, it's a good time to start getting into this business. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, do you all have a preference about parts of the country in which you buy defaulted paper? Because, you know, my, my, my experience here in Ohio is that because of the house prices here, you know, you can actually buy you can actually buy a pretty decent condition house in a neighborhood where you're not going to get shot for like sixty five, seventy five thousand dollars here in Cincinnati. And yep. so many times, you know, the, the 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 fact that the mortgage hasn't been paid for five years, and neither have the taxes mean that the the taxes pretty much, you know, the, the amount of the back taxes uh, almost eats up the entire value of the property in the condition that it's in right now. And I've heard other note buyers, other defaulted note buyers say they really prefer more expensive parts of the country. Is that is that sort of your feeling as well? No, this is TJ. Um, our pr- primary mission is uh, low to middle uh, income families. So we have a few that are in, in actually Ohio right now. 
Um, but um, the areas that we love to buy in are non-judicial states. Um, we'll buy in Florida. That's a judicial foreclosure process, yeah. and Ohio. That are that is judicial uh, process. But when I say non-judicial and judicial, it's how the whole foreclosure process is is uh, how you go through it. Um, in non-judicial states, why we like that is if they have something in the mortgage, it's actually a deed of trust that it's a power of sale clause where you just have to publish and in, I think it's 60 days, you can um, go ahead and commence foreclosure. And there's not that it doesn't cause a huge backlog of, of these, these problem mortgages and these vacant properties. And judicial Obviously, you see the issue that we're in now where we're buying notes right now in Florida, let's say that nothing has been done on them for three to four years, meaning mm. nobody's paid the taxes, nobody's done anything. So these local municipalities aren't, aren't getting any sort of property taxes. There's um, vacant, abandoned homes. So the non-judicial states are, not to go off on a tangent, are, are really where we emphasize our buying right now. And also where there's, since we're really looking at savings saving families' homes and, and keeping these families in their homes and modifying their loans, we want to buy in um, areas where there's government programs like hardest-hit funds that are available to, uh, to, these local, um, to these local areas. So, like, I think Ohio... Yeah, Ohio just got funded quite a bit of money to, do, to, um, to pay out to, to keep borrowers in their homes and... You know, we we did buy a few assets in Ohio where we we got stuck. I think we paid six thousand for the note and wound up putting fourteen thousand in taxes <laughs> into it. So the taxes in Ohio definitely are something for you to to keep an eye on. But with the um, with the government funding now for the hardest hit states, Ohio being one of them, you can get in there and and modify a borrower's loan and have the government pay the back taxes and to get them get them caught up and a lot of times that can be enough money there to have you already cashed out of the loan so now you own the debt pretty much free and clear mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you're listening to real life real estate investing we're talking today about the business of buying defaulted notes and mortgages my guests are rick allen and tj osterman and we've got our lines open for calls if you have questions about this business, what the opportunities are, how it works, give us a call at 877-772-9658 or go to realliferealestate.com and send us your question via email. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing, talking today about buying and selling defaulted notes and mortgages with Rick Allen and TJ Osterman from paperstack.com. Uh, if you go to Paperstack right now, what you get is a message that says that it is launching in May of 2016, so two months away, I guess, from that business, guys. Yeah, we, um, you know, we we run Cloud Capital Management, which is our capital management firm that purchases these notes. And as TJ touched on earlier, our mission is to save as many houses as possible. We, you know, throughout 10,000 homes. Obviously, we don't have enough capital or, you know, the manpower to do that. So we decided to try to bring some liquidity and transparency to this market and um, provide a trading platform for investors to get on and, and sort of tap into this, this 
really great investment class. And so sort of like sort of like an MLS for loans I, is what I got. Yeah, exactly. Here. Um, you know, get, it's still a little bit of the wild west, so to speak, on the on the lower end when you're buying these loans. We we had a couple scary experiences of you know putting out a couple hundred thousand dollars into escrow with an attorney in Texas and just being really uncomfortable with everything to where we felt we needed more transparency on just the the whole transferring of the loans, but then also the due diligence that goes into making a good buy. For instance, looking up and knowing, am I going to be faced with $14,000 in back taxes? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that the paper stack will will bring much needed change and disruption to the market. Yeah, I've gotten those um those tapes of of notes where it's got it's got a column that says taxes due and mm-hmm. there there's a number there. But that number is not <laughs> the number. It's uh, I, I, you know sometimes I think those numbers are 2 or 3 years old because I can very quickly look in a in a, a you know, county auditor site or something and see that no, the back taxes are not two thousand dollars; they are twenty thousand dollars. And I've always thought that yeah, uh, but you missed the comma. Yeah, it, well, and 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 I think I think many times what I'm looking at, and I'm, you've seen more of these than I have, but I think what I'm looking at is a tape that's been floating around for three or four years. You know, it was it it was it was Citibank's tape, and they sold it to a hedge fund, and then the hedge fund put it out in a smaller package with that spreadsheet attached to it and I'm still getting the spread, same spreadsheet that was going around 3 years ago right so it's it, it, the information just wrong it says it's occupied it's not it says that there's no taxes there are so it, that's that that is a a big part of evaluating a note for those of us who are just buying them one at a time is trying to figure out what information that we've gotten that's accurate and what is not so it will be yeah, I'm- Go ahead. Yeah, this is Jay. That's the whole idea of having a, a place where people can, you know, come to. And uh, because looking at those tapes, if anybody's out there has ever looked at one, it's it's like it's like reading hieroglyphics sometimes. I mean, there's you know, fifteen, twenty, thirty columns sometimes. It, it's it's insanity. And a lot of the times, the information isn't isn't correct. So you know, you got to lock yourself in a room for two or three days and run your due diligence. Well, I mean, with technology today there's a lot of uh good you know resources that you can implement to where you can cut that due diligence time and get right to the right to the facts a lot quicker um that's kind of our idea of you know making that due diligence process easier will only want will only bring more investors to this to this market um and that's kind of our idea is to be able to make those like the taxes uh more transparent because we have had the same thing we've pulled up taxes where you know the the guy that we were buying the note from said, "Oh no, this is a uh, just a tax certificate, no big deal." And <laughs> we're like, "Okay, well let's look into this a little bit more." And further down the road, we realize it's a tax deed, um, <laughs> which mm-hmm. the two, the difference there is, you know, the tra- tax certificate you can still redeem it. The, when it says tax deed, it's saying that has been sold. Now the, mo- the 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 thing is, is that the debt doesn't get extinguished. But it's not collateralized or secured against anything. Mm-hmm. So it's like trying to call somebody, let's just say, and say, hey, you owe me this much money on the house. And then they go, well, you know, you don't own the house anymore. It's not securitized anymore. So those type of things are the, are the scary things in this business that can be eliminated with a, 
like a platform to where people can find out all that information. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I, and I think it's I think it's much needed because I have more than once gone to drive drive by a, a property that it looked like was you know was on a net was on a, a note tape and it said it was a first mortgage and yada da 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 and i see the big in in ohio the um or in the hamilton county way the sheriff sale stickers are orange mm-hmm. and when they put that on your door you're six weeks from sale so yeah. i walked up and looked at the sale and the sale had happened two months ago and they were still trying so, so it, it was no longer owned by the owner and the mortgage had been extinguished and yet it was still trying to yeah. be sold to me so uh yeah that's um that, that that'll be a good thing now for 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 folks who maybe haven't made it through all the all the podcasts at realliferealestate.com and sort of gotten the the basics of how this works can you guys d- uh, describe what a typical single deal would look like i know i know you're buying the you're buying whole packages of properties but from the perspective of the guy who owns the house at 123 Easy Street, whose mortgage is in this package, how, 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 do you, how do you find the package? What happens after you are the owner of the note? What kind of things are you trying to work out with the seller? And then from a profit perspective, what are you looking, where are your profit centers here? Okay, this is Rick. Um, to start with, if if somebody if we were going to look at just a, a one-off deal or or something along those lines, we, we would go to a trading platform. Or there are there are definitely there are some brokers out there that'll get you can cherry pick and buy one-off deals. Um, but going into it, you kind of want to have an idea of what's your play. Are you looking for long term or are you looking for short term? Um, you know, there's a lot of the uh, the buy fix rent guys out there who once they get into mortgage notes and and they have that income stream without the phone calls at night saying the toilet's broken they they're loving it so there's other guys who are the buy fix sell guys who are like look I just want to get in there put my spin on it you know add some value and then and then get out and and do it again you know repeat rinse repeat rinse um or rinse repeat so from once you once you identify what your what your strategy is going to be, you want to go in there and start looking for the note that's going to, to fit that strategy. If you're in it getting the house back because you want it for cheaper, it's a great idea to buy a vacant house. That's you just you want to start targeting the vacant houses, and if if you can identify if it's a second home, that's even better because those are those are usually pretty easy to get back via deed in lieu of foreclosure, and that's what we look at. Um, we we're looking at what who is living in the house? We want to keep people in the homes and, and kind of do a little bit of a longer-term play, so we're looking for owner-occupied stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so you want to identify what you're going to do. Once you have that, you want to move on to is it occupied, vacant, or not. Once we um, establish all that stuff, you make your offer and, and you buy the note. It'll take you, you know, seven days once you buy the note for the, the collateral package to come in, which is that's the file that's got all the loan documents, the mortgage, the note, the assignments, you know, all the legal documents that go along with it. And from there, you need to you need to wait, you know, 30 days from the time you buy it, and you can reach out to the borrower and then start your workouts. And if you're if you're doing this on a one-on-one, it's best you know to to pick up the phone and call them or utilize your servicer. One of the one of the things that we are a huge advocate to is 
go ahead and is to go ahead and bring in um, servicers and to take in in for all compliance to put it out there. Um, that's that's you just to keep yourself out of hot water because mm-hmm. this is an area. It's a little bit different than the the housing market in that there are more regulations, more rules. So we outsource as much as possible. Um, when you're moving into to working out with the borrower, you're going to want to start looking at, you know, can they afford the property? There's there's no there's no good to to get into a to put a borrower into a loan mod that they can't afford. Um, it just it just doesn't work. And so our our profit centers really come from if we're going to modify somebody's loan, we look for a big portion of money up front. Um, sometimes you know, they're, if they're behind 15, 20 grand, we'll say, look, why don't you bring $6,000 to the table and we'll go ahead and modify your loan. We will rip out the past due payments and we're not going to put them on the back of your loan. We're just going to forgive them and put you guys into a loan that you can afford. And at the end of the day, you can, you know, you can make 15, 20% on your money within the first couple months. And then you start collecting payments, and after you seize them up for six months, you can turn around and resell that loan on the market. Um, and if you're buying, if you're buying notes at forty cents on the dollar, and you can turn around and sell them for seventy-five cents on the dollar, and you made twenty percent up front, the the numbers are pretty huge. Forty cents on the dollar of what? Of we buy them. We buy based on two different things. We'll buy based either off of value what they're worth right now or based off of the unpaid principal balance. And it's kind of a, it's a little bit of a floating scale because there are some houses that are severely underwater. Um, they owe way more than the house is worth. And obviously you can't, you know, we've buy, we've purchased some notes where the debt was double what the house is worth. Mm-hmm. So in that case, we'll, we'll buy, we'll base our buying criteria off of, what is it worth? So we'll say we want it at forty cents on the dollar from what the house is worth. There are other times when they owe less than the house is worth. That's when we start basing it off of, you know, the unpaid principal balance. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. Very good. So really, the the thing is, is that when you're look, this is TJ, by the way. When you're looking at, let's just say, it's a vacant a vacant home and you're doing your due diligence on whether you're going to buy this note, and it's a, and we know we're going to get the the property back and we have to get that property back either by foreclosing them or contacting the contacting the borrower and doing a deed in lieu we're, we're basically just turning on our real estate hats there and running our, our our numbers based off of what that home is is currently worth in the market right now as a fixer upper and so you know we're looking at wanting to buy that at 50 60 percent of the value of that home generally in in real estate we can buy at 70 75 percent of the value and you know, for for flipping something and be okay on the exit strategy, but since we know up front that it's going to take some more attorneys' costs, um, servicing costs, there's a few more costs that you have to run into your forecast that uh, that you put onto it. So if you know you're taking the the non-performing note and you're buying it with the intent of taking that home back and basically getting it and fixing it and renting it or fixing it and flipping it, we're basically just running it as a standard flip. 
Uh, the, the unpaid principal balance of the loan um, to us really doesn't matter as much at that point. But if we know that we're going into it and we're buying a home, a note that's actually we're going to modify, that unpaid principal balance plays a lot more into, the, into how we're actually um, you know, uh, going to budget for that. But, um, but so, so that's, that's the nice thing about um, when you first buy non-performing notes, being a real estate investor, these things you can clearly see if they're going to be vacant or not um, by f- just seeing if the power's on in the house. I mean, you can, you can figure out different ways of doing that. And that's why it's a pretty easy pivot is you can just say, okay, I have to budget maybe five to $8,000 more on top of this to be able to get that deed in my name, and then I can navigate it to the finish line just like a real estate investor from that point. So that's what I recommend to anybody that's in the real estate market that wants to get into the debt spaces. Buy one that's a low-priced low, you know, low um, asset that they know is vacant, it's been sitting there vacant for three years. They know they can fix it up and maybe make 10 to 15 grand on it at the end of the day. Very good. We're going to take one last quick break, and then we're going to come back and answer some questions that have come in via email at uh, by, from folks who've gone to our website at realliferealestate.com. We can also take your questions at 877-772-9658. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guests today are Rick Allen and TJ Osterman. They are um, real estate investors who got into the note-buying business a few years back when the hedge funds were all out and about and buying up all of our properties and all of our affordable markets for more money than any of us could pay for them. And... uh, got into the defaulted note business and have been going strong ever since. Um, we have a couple of questions, guys, that have come in during the um, the course of the show. The first one here is uh, from uh, our, 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 typical, uh, our typical question from uh, CJ in Las Vegas. He's very sophisticated uh, and is always sending us these very sophisticated questions. He says, how do you present your business to prospective investors? So, in other words, I think what he's asking is, uh, you, you mentioned earlier that you raise money to, to buy these tapes of notes, because I know sometimes they're, they're six, seven, even eight-figure investments. And I think what he's asking is, if you're talking to some guy on the street who, let's face it, doesn't even know that this business exists... What do you say to him about why he should invest in your business? Well, this is Rick. Um, when we, I guess we didn't really raise capital. We had a capital partners from other real estate investments that we had done, and so we went in, uh, you know, capital partners together on an LLC. Mm. Um, if you are going to present an investment opportunity to other, I would suggest heavily um, investing in syndication attorneys, which is where we are if you want to if you want to start pitching capital because it, it, it there is a little bit of a fine line you can walk when you're bringing in capital partners as opposed to um, what that's fine line there's a gray area on who you can actually talk to mm-hmm. you can't go talk to just 
regular guys on the street and, and present this opportunity to them. Um, you can be in violation of securities laws. Mm-hmm. And so we've, we've had some hefty attorney's bills on making sure that we are in compliance when we structure our LLCs with our capital partners that everything is, you know, falls within the guidelines. So mm-hmm. I would I would encourage, as I'm sure you would, to, to seek it seek advice from an attorney as far as when it comes to to pitching capital. So your money people were already at at least fell into the category of being sophisticated, if not accredited. Both. They were sophisticated, (laughs) they were accredited, and we had a prior, you know, prior relationship. Sure, sure. And and, and, and folks who are are, uh, maybe listening to the show for the first time and saying, what in the heck are they talking about? I thought they were going to tell me how to flip properties on this show. Go back to um, go back to the the podcast at realliferealestate.com and look up Jillian Sedoti. Jillian Sedoti gave an entire hour long presentation uh, about uh, maybe a year ago about who you can and can't talk to about money and under what circumstances. Um, That's funny. Jillian, actually, Jillian's firm. We just were at a uh, at a, uh, a workshop with them in Fort Lauderdale, and mm-hmm. they're the syndication attorneys that we are currently utilizing. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, uh, we have a question here from Jerome, who is from uh, Flint, Michigan. Uh, he says, so I, I don't understand what it is they do with their paying modified loans. Do they sell them all or do they keep some of them for income? Uh, we keep them in-house for income until they're seasoned up for six months, and then we will package them up and sell them in We'll even we'll sell them off on a one-off basis, or we'll package them up and sell them in a small micro pool. Um, that I mean, that's it. There's some that that are just too good of deals that we keep for personal. Mm-hmm. The, and, and this is TJ. The people that are buying these these uh, reperforming loans are um, it's like fifty, sixty percent, if not higher, self-directed IRA and four hundred one k space. There's um, people there that are like Rick would say, the stock market refugees out there that want to self-direct their investments in their 401k and retirement accounts. And um, mortgages are, you know, way far outweigh. We love rentals, but you get, you know, when you have some rentals, you got to fix the toilets and all that type of stuff. With a mortgage, um, you don't have to fix any of that stuff, and you have a passive income stream. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's a big market right now for self-directed space. There's like $2 trillion sitting in the self-directed uh, market that is looking for these passive type type of uh, cash flow um, investments and mortgage notes are reperforming mortgage notes are are a great product so mm-hmm. that's a great um, great product to get into. We also there's sometimes when we get a mortgage note that we make such a, a good buy on it that as investors we kind of have a mentality of there's always a for sale sign in the front yard and if if you can get in and you buy a note and somebody wants to pay you 10% more for it, you know, I'm not opposed to, to selling it for a 10% profit if I can do it in 30 or 60 days because you can run the numbers on if you can repeat that process. It, it looks pretty good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there's always there's always a make-me-move price. Yeah, I, I would think <laughs> I think there's always, there's, there's always that price. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Very good. Now, uh, on the reperforming paper, that so so you've 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 gone through the process with Joe homeowner who's you know wherever he is, and you have worked out a new payment plan where he can actually afford the payments, as opposed to his old 
a mortgage where he clearly couldn't or he would have been making them. You've got the note reperforming. It's six months later. You sell it. What is the redefault rate in your experience on those reperforming mortgages? For for us, um, it's been pretty low. We use a pretty we use a very common sense approach to our loan modifications. Um, we're buying the debt for at such huge discounts that if they're underwater. I know that if somebody's underwater $70,000, me putting a Band-Aid on it's not going to fix it. So we'll, we'll usually, that when it come, that's when it comes to buying off of the unpaid principal or off of the value. If you're buying off of the value, you're buying it so far underneath what their debt is that you can give them a principal reduction down to um, something even like giving them a little equity. We've reduced people's principal down to where they have, you know, 5% equity in the property. And you combine that with them putting in, you know, five ten thousand dollars $10,000 up front, people have, that had no skin in the game on the deal before getting no-doc loans, now have some skin in the game and have, have a reason to, to keep paying the mortgage. So we've been, with our formula, we've been pretty pretty fortunate that the loan mods have, have kind of stuck and have been going along and, and keep paying. And we we really encourage our borrowers to say, look, if it comes to a point where you're not going to be able to make your mortgage payment, pick up the phone and make a phone call and let us know and, and let us know why and see if we can work with you. But we've been we've been pretty pretty fortunate that it's been, you know, maybe down around 10% re-default. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. See, that, the, the nice thing, this is TJ, the nice thing about being a small-time investor and helping these people out, you don't have to deal with a lot of the bureaucracy that these huge banks have to deal with. When people are making 8 to $10 an hour modifying somebody's loan, they're just another number on that person's desk. When, when Rick just made a good point, when we tell so – we want to keep these people performing, and we understand hardships come. And we can make, you know, on-the-phone decisions really quick determining underwriting. We don't have huge underwriting guidelines. There's obviously the regulatory um, guidelines and things like that and the compliance that our servicer takes care of. But we're able to say, look, call us up if you're looking like there's a hardship coming down or you got sick or something happened where you're not going to make this mortgage payment. Don't go dark on us. We're not a, you know, a scary monster. Call us. We're real people. We understand. And we'll be able to work with you. And uh, if you can put a, you know, and do something to put some money down and just to show some good faith, we can always work with that person so it doesn't go into redefault. Um, and sometimes you just can't help them. But the borrower outreach is what's lacking in our, in our country right now with these, with these lower-income uh, families. And so with a small investor that has five or ten of these things, um, it's, it's a lot easier to help these families and keep them keep them in their homes and keep them paying. Sure so that, thing. like Rick said, redefault isn't huge on our end. All right, guys. Well, I appreciate you being with us today. Unfortunately, we are out of time here. I could certainly talk to you for another hour or two, and maybe we will do that in the future. That was Rick Allen and TJ Osterman from Osterman from. Uh, uh, I've forgotten the name of the company, but I have it right here. It is Paperstack, <laughs> Paperstack, and uh, we will be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing. Happy investing.